Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Marsh. Today we talk about the St. Louis Cardinals. The team's rich history is the source of legend and lore. Boiling it all down to its 50 greatest men and moments is a formidable task, but one taken by Post-Dispatch sports columnist Benjamin Hockman. The result is his book, The Big 50, The Men and Moments of the St. Louis Cardinals. Benjamin Hockman joins me in studio. Great to have you with us, Benjamin. Congratulations. Thanks for having me. This is really cool. It's cool for us, too. Great. Always fun to talk about the Cardinals. You, you say that you wrote this book as, as a love letter. Explain that. Well, I'm from here. Uh, you know, my first lullaby was Jack Buck's voice, if you will. Mm-hmm. And I've always just appreciated the connection between the team and the people here. And I've lived in other sports cities, and there's nothing like St. Louis and baseball. I lived in Denver, and they've got football. I lived in New Orleans, and they've got college football. There's a connection, but there's nothing like what we have here. So when I had the opportunity to come back to St. Louis as the columnist of the Post-Dispatch, I always wanted to write a book that kind of captured that. As much a part of all of this, as, as magnificent as the Cardinals have been over the years and drawing crowds and all the rest of it, we have to give a lot of credit to the fans because the fans are a big part of the story, aren't they? No question about it. And that's what I wanted to do in the book was there, there's chapters, full chapters about just the fans and, mm-hmm. and what makes our fans special. And, and you know, it's, it's easy to toss the word religion out. Maybe that's too strong to say baseball is like a religion because we know religion is religion. But, mm-hmm. man, right below that comes a passion for baseball in this city. And, it, and it's an heirloom. We pass it down to generations. And, of course, my, uh, my father passed it down to me, and I look forward to passing it down to the next generation. Why do you think that, is, that we are different here? I mean, we're called the greatest fans in baseball. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think, honestly, a lot of it begins uh, with what we're talking in right now, a microphone, a radio microphone. And you look at KMOX and the, the power of that station, uh, both with the, the resonance of the voices and then just with the watts. Uh, it, it went across Cardinals country, and uh, there are fans in many, many states because of it. And the broadcasters were just so good uh, that people fell for the team. And then the team was good in the 20s and the 40s. And like we talk about, anybody in town has lived through some good times, whether you're 100 or, or 10. Yeah. You, you've lived through some good Cardinals times because the team's been so good. And, uh, and we all share that. There's no question that KMOX signal, 50,000 watts. Uh, although I used to listen to KMOX when I was in Baltimore. Come on. Yeah, really, at wow. night, at, only at night. But, that, of course, that's when the games are primarily played. Yeah, no question. How about the research? I mean, boiling down Cardinals history into 50 uh, segments, if you will, men and moments, as you say in the title of the book. My God, you had to throw a lot of stuff out. Yeah, I know, right? I felt, I felt bad. Uh, the, the next book I'm working on is the Colorado Rockies because I used to live in Denver. I wish I could find 50. <laughs> you know, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm trying my hardest uh, with, with the Cardinals. Like we know there's so much in there. So I had to get creative and, and put a couple people together mm-hmm. and such. Um, but the research was for this book was so much fun because basically I got to pick the brains of childhood heroes. And uh, I wanted to interview such a variety of people. I didn't just sit down with Ozzy and Willie, though I did interview them for the book, but I wanted to talk to uh, famous fans, regular fans, everything in between, uh, to, because at the end of the day, stories are stories are stories, and it doesn't matter if it's coming from John Hamm or, or um, the guy from the bar corner. Uh, we all have stories about the Cardinals. Well, Hamm remains a Cardinal fan no matter where he is, and despite his celebrity, he is still very much committed to the team, isn't he? No question about it. He went to the World Series in 2016, uh, wearing a Cardinals hat, even though it was at Wrigley Field. I love the uh, the bravado and gusto with that. So, what were your criteria for for deciding 
on the ones you finally put in the book? Well, what I tried to do what I tried to do was write a book that hadn't been written before, and there's been so many fantastic Cardinal books over the generations that we've all read. I wanted to write things that hadn't been written before. So, for instance, uh, of course, there's going to be a, a Stan Musial chapter, but I didn't want to just write the basic, oh, and then this year he hit this, and yeah, this yeah. year he hit that. So the whole chapter is about Stan and his grandson and all the restaurants they would go to around St. Louis, uh, things like that. And then uh, the criteria, my gosh, I mean, if there's a good story, I want it in the book. So Tom Lawless is not one of the 50 best St. Louis Cardinals of all time, but in the 1987 World Series, uh, he hit a home run and threw his bat as high as the arch. It still hasn't come down right. as far as anybody knows. Yeah, that yeah. bat and the and the uh, Brad Lidge pitch to uh, Albert Pujols, that ball, those, those are both in orbit, that bat and the ball. How many home runs did Lawless hit over a four or something? He had like two that? in his big league career yeah. and then one in the World Series against Ace Frank Viola. You know, uh, you mentioned Stan the Man, and of course you can't write a book without mentioning him, but one of the things that I found interesting about that particular chapter was we all think of Stan as the harmonica player, Mm -hmm. but you have him playing coat hangers? Oh, yes, of course. (laughs) He he and the boys would uh, play... You know, we, every generation, there seems to be a song for the Cardinals. 1982, there was Celebration, 85, The Heat Is On. Well, Pass the Biscuits Mirandi was a big hit in the 1940s, and uh, the fellows would be in the clubhouse after the game, and, and they would they would play the songs, and Stan was in charge of the coat hangers, and he would play them like a drum, and it, they had a bunch of fun. If you had to put a face on the Cardinals and Cardinals history, would he be the guy, or would it be... Somebody else. It's got to be him, right? Yeah. Uh, and I mean, and then he lived here the rest of his life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's part of the community, and I mean, everything you read about him, it's about Stan. Pun intended. Stan the man. It's about Stan the man, the mm-hmm. human, the person. He, he's one of those guys. Like if he was uh, your plumber, you'd want your son to be like him. Oh, by the way, he's got great character, and he's one of the best hitters of all time. And he was also very accessible. He was always available to to fans. He wasn't standoffish, as some of them uh, have been known to be. Exactly. He he wants to be part of our community. He was part of our community. Uh, what kind of a comparison would you draw um, between the the players of the bygone eras and today's players? Wow, that's a great question, Don. The passion for playing the game, because once you're out there, it doesn't matter what your contract gives you. In, in a way... You're, you're 10 years old. Mm. And whether it's someone playing for the Gas House Gang or we watch Jose Martinez for St. Louis today, there is such a passion for just playing this fun game mm. and doing it in front of people that care about you. And, and I love watching Jose Martinez today because he embodies that. I mean, he's got this smile and he's having fun and he's, he's interacting with the fans, but he takes it seriously as well. That's why they call them the boys of summer. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, is there a moment that you can boil it down in your own mind that you think is the moment, the Cardinals moment? Well, I mean, it's got to be the David Freeze game. Uh, <laughs> you, you, you look at it because there's so many stories involved, so, so many key players involved. Chris Carpenter the next day, uh, but David Freeze had to, had to get them to Chris Carpenter. Well, let's back up one second. Sure. For those people who are new to town and oh, don't yeah. remember that moment, just, just set that up for us. How cool is this? David Freeze is from St. Louis. The Cardinals are down three games to two in the World Series. If they lose, it's over. The Cardinals are down to their last out and their last strike. The kid from St. Louis hits the ball to the wall. And just similarly, the other day we had a situation where Dexter Fowler hit the ball and we're watching and we're like, is it going to be caught? 
Is it going to be a home run? Is it going to bounce off the wall? This moment, and then, and I was in the in the right field bleachers, so I'm watching, and I can't see anything. And then I see hands go in the air. What does that mean? What are they celebrating? And then the little white ball rolling away from the wall because David Freeze's hit hit the wall, bounced off. He ran to third base, got a triple. Mm-hmm. The Cardinals tie the game. He saves the season. They go to extra innings. Two innings later, guess who's up? David Freeze from St. Louis. Home run. Cardinals win game six. Chris Carpenter starts game seven. Cardinals win game seven. Do you think that that hit uh, or that evening by uh, with David Freeze – Extended his career, you know. I, I I'm not sure that he was a one of the first ranked players at that time, but he performed as one. But I wonder if it just he's still playing. Yeah, in Pittsburgh. In baseball, confidence is currency, mm-hmm. and what more confidence can you get than than doing that in the World Series? The next year, he became an All Star, and yeah, he's he's still plugging away and and playing into his mid thirties. Let me go back to the old players versus the new again. I, I meant to ask you about. Uh, potential of resentment given the guys who are making ten grand a year and always had to have a summer job or a winter job to make ends meet and today's players who get fourteen million dollars for one year and they're not doing very well. Right. Uh there there was something about the older days where the ball player was was one of us almost. Uh uh sure he played in the majors, but yeah if he's if, if Yogi Berra's working a job in the winter in St. Louis, I mean that's very regular. That's very one of us. Uh these days the like you like you said, the worst catcher in the major leagues uh is, is making millions. It's it's definitely a different time and you know, we talk about it all the time where a player feels like ah oh, I was born born too soon. Yeah, you, you know the first story I ever did as a journalist was, was to track down former New York Yankees players. I grew up in New Jersey. Cool. Track down players, guys who were stars uh, or marginal players, whatever, uh, during the 1930s and early 40s. And I found a whole bunch of them. Every one of them was a bartender. Wow. Every one of them. I, maybe a dozen that I got to meet. What were some of the names? Do you recall? Oh, I don't. This yeah, is yeah. going back to the sure, 50s. But, sure, sure. Uh, but no, but I, I'd have to really dig deep to come up with the names. But um, that, yeah. was, that was a telling of that era, so much different now. Right. They go to, they go to the ballpark with briefcases. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You mentioned, uh, you mentioned the, the, the radio signal a little while ago. and mm-hmm. we, we have to talk a little bit about uh, Jack Buck, Harry Carey, and I particularly like the chapter on Mike Shannon because you <laughs> ended it with sh- the Shannonisms. <laughs> oh, sure. Uh, do you have a couple of those off the top of your head? I mean, he has a way with words. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, there, there was one, and, and, and a lot of these are documented on, on websites uh, that I haven't heard, uh, but goodness gracious, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm from St. Louis. I'm from Clayton, and I'm I'm Jewish. So this this one, this particular one was was is special to me. It was in 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 early season April. He goes uh, for all you Christians out there, Happy Easter, and all you Jews, Happy Hanukkah. <laughs> Yeah, it's a, Buck, Buck used to laugh at him. I mean, some of these things, he enjoyed watching the sun rise over the Gulf of Mexico and it's, <laughs> right. it's stuff like that. Well, we talk in our family all the time about how Mike Shannon once said, uh, if you guys back in St. Louis could see this moon, <laughs> you know, the idea. And so we always joke about that. My, my dad will send us a text. Hey, I hope you're seeing this. Too bad you can't see this moon back in St. Louis if he's in New York. You know, when, when I came to St. Louis, uh, it was the first year that he was broadcasting. Okay. And uh, I would listen to this guy after coming. 
come from Baltimore where they had a great broadcast team. And I listened to Shannon and said, what is this? This is, this is awful. Right. But, you know, uh, he's grown on me so much over the years, and he has so many fans. And I've learned so much about the game just right. listening to this guy. Yeah, I mean, Mike Shannon is the embodiment of what we're talking about here with St. Louis. He's from St. Louis, played for the Cardinals, never left, and now he's a broadcaster sharing the stories of the Cardinals. And you could go up to anybody uh, in this town and mention Mike Shannon, and, and they know him, and he's part of their, their life, part of their daily routine. That goes back to what we talked about at the very beginning, how all these things are yeah. so intertwined. Uh, Benjamin Hockman, I've got to take a break. We'll do that now, come back, and continue our conversation about the Big 50, the men and the moments that made the St. Louis Cardinals. Your brand-new book, it's a fun read. And any baseball fan has got to read it. And if you're not a fan, you'll become one after reading it. (laughs) We'll be back in a moment. If you'd like to talk to Benjamin, give us a call at 382-8255. That's 382-TALK. Send us an email to talk at stlpublicradio.org. Or if you would prefer to send us a tweet, do so at STL on air. This is St. Louis on the air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. And welcome back as we continue our discussion of the Big 50, the men and moments that made the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, we, we didn't really talk about Jack Buck. We talked about Mike Shannon, but um, can't underestimate the importance uh, of that man to the, uh, to the St. Louis sports scene overall. It's incredible. And everything from just the special calls, the go crazy folks go crazy, to the stories of him meeting people around the community and just showing so much interest in them when he met them. He truly cared about St. Louis and St. Louisans. And, and there was no better MC in the city of St. Louis than, than Jack Buck. You were really lucky to get him for, for an event. That's what, I, that's what I remember when I was growing up. I would be 10, 12 years old, and, and my father would take me to the, the baseball writer's uh, dinner, and, and he would be there cracking jokes. And, and he, he was such a funny guy. But he was also such a great, I guess, if you will, showman, and also he could turn things, turn the notch, and just be very serious when need be. You had an opportunity to talk to Joe Buck as well, and Joe Buck's made his own mark in the industry. Yeah, no question. I mean, Joe Buck, uh, <clears throat> growing up as Jack's son, growing up in St. Louis, and then becoming a great broadcaster himself. I mean, great's an understatement. He's mm-hmm. one of the best of maybe ever. Um, but he is just like us. He's got these cardinal stories. So it was great sitting down at, at Lester's in Ladue with him and just drinking a drinking a Bud Light and talking cardinals. And he's in a lot of the chapters in the book, uh, sharing stories from his childhood, from growing up in St. Louis. And what's fun is we all have experienced the big games in different places. Mm-hmm. And for instance, like he talked about the Don Denkinger game in 1985 uh, where a bad call uh, basically ruined the season for the Cardinals. He wasn't at the game or even at home watching on television. He was at a, a cotillion dance, and, 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 but he snuck away from the dance and went to the, um, the, the guy at the front desk of the country club who had a little TV. Mm-hmm. And he said basically all the wallflowers, all the kids that hate, hated dancing, snuck out to watch it on the little TV, and they're all screaming at the little TV. And it was such a fun image. And we, and we can all relate to, oh, I, I remember where I watched that game, or I remember hearing where my dad and mom watched that game. You know, he made a, a believers out of a lot of people who thought when he was starting his career that it was only because he was Jack Buck's son. But uh, th- that changed. No question about it. I mean, he's, he is his own man, and he is fantastic. And he's ours. He's St. Louis. 
How, let's see, how can I phrase this? I'm thinking about Mark McGuire, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking about what he did for baseball and for St. Louis when he was here. But I'm also thinking about the dark side of that story, about the, uh, the, uh, the drug use, the, mm-hmm. stero- the steroid use. How do you think he should be treated by St. Louis? I was surprised uh, this past season uh, when he was inducted into the St. Louis Cardinals Hall of Fame, the love. Uh, this, the, the, the just unwavering love from so many people who just cleanly pushed aside his, his unclean ways, if you will, on, on the field. Uh, time heals wounds, as they would say. Um, but it really was fascinating because we were all in, right? We were all in on this Mark McGuire thing. And I mean, my favorite story, one of my favorite stories literally in, in the whole book of all 50 chapters is from a Sports Illustrated writer named Joan Neeson, who was from St. Louis, and she shared the story. She was, uh, I think, nine years old at the time uh, in 1998, and she was playing at her friend's house watching the game, and when McGuire hit the home run to get number 62, she chipped her tooth on yeah. something. And so she went to the dentist, and they were like, oh, we can fix this. And she's like, you know what? I'd rather not have this small chip fixed because whenever I rub my tongue against it, it reminds me of the happiness, the uh-huh. joy of Mark McGuire. Do you think there's a downside to that story, the, the, the overall story of McGuire, because of the uh, influence that he might have on, on kids and winning at all costs, that sort of thing? I'm, I'm with you. And, and, and inevitably, I mean, other people would see the, the bigness and the greatness of these men in, the, in, in that era, and it affected them. And hopefully there are lessons to be learned now and – yeah, I mean, that's the dark side of it, no question about it. Yeah. Um, Yadier Molina. Oh. <laughs> Everybody likes to talk about Yadier, especially now when he's uh, hurt and out for a, yeah. a, a couple of weeks. Uh, you reacted, you really lit up when I mentioned his name. Why? Because there's something about him because he's the out, outliers on both ends. Very few humans approach their job with more seriousness mm-hmm. than Yadier Molina. But then on the other end, very few people enjoy the heck out of their job more than Yadier does when success occurs. And he can have this scowl on his face, but when they succeed, the Cardinals, his smile is, is as wide as a strike zone. I heard uh, Shannon the other day, too, I guess it was Shannon or maybe one of the TV announcers, talking about his, his preparation and mm-hmm. how uh, extensive and all-inclusive it is that he is really, really into it. There are a few athletes who not only are the most talented at their position, but also work harder than anyone else. Uh, say what you want about Kobe Bryant. He did a lot of bad things off the court. Uh, but from a basketball standpoint, I used to cover the NBA. I'd never been more impressed by, by a person because his work ethic was, was top-notch and his talent was top-notch. That led to five championships. Well, we're seeing that in St. Louis with Yadier Molina. His preparation uh, matches his baseball IQ. And I was speaking to Mike Matheny just the other day about Yadier, and he says he's the highest baseball IQ he's ever seen, or at least one of them. Mm-hmm. And it comes from a baseball family, obviously, and they all all the kids did, did pretty well. I think of Benji. I did a, an event with Benji Molina when he had written his book mm-hmm. a year or two ago. It was at the St. Louis County Library. It was an overflow standing room only crowd. People were outside the building to see <laughs> Benji Molina. Right. Benji Molina. Right, right, right. right. Imagine if Yadier had uh, had been there. Oh, they would have to, they would have to close down uh, close down the street outside right. there. Yeah. Who are some of the really lesser-known names that uh, you, you uh, bring into your book? Well, for instance, there's Marion 
or Marlin. I don't know what the name is, to be honest, but I remember this gentleman from my childhood selling sodas at Bush Stadium. Uh, it was M-A-R, I think it was Marion, an I-O-N. Others I've interviewed recall that I being an L for Marlin. And his uh, his way of selling the soda at Bush Stadium was, anybody want a sody? And a free straw, <laughs> and that was hilarious to yeah. to, to everybody. And uh, I wanted to find him and interview him for the book. And I've had some success as an investigative journalism journalist over the years, but I, I failed in my search to find Marion or Marlin. Uh, but the one tidbit I got um, from the Cardinals was that the day he he left, the day he quit, he uh, was picked up in a limousine. And I always wondered about that, and then I figured out. Oh, this must have. The only way to explain it was the day they decided to get rid of the straws and start using bottle caps on the on the right. plastic bottles. His shtick was up; could no longer do the free straw thing. So he said, "I'm out of here," and rode off in style. Is there anybody that uh, that wouldn't talk to you that you wanted to talk to? That's a great question. No, and and, that, and even if it was uh, Jenna Fisher, uh, the you know the, the great actress, star of The Office. I mean, I mean, Webster we, Groves girl. Yeah, yeah. I mean, people. I mean. At the end of the day, that's it. Like she's still a Webster Groves girl. Yeah. You know, she still went to Narek's house. She's still just a a St. Louis in at heart. So everybody I reached out to was excited to talk about uh, these memories from their childhood. And of course, family is such a key thread in this entire book. And you know, you might see the book and say, "Oh, I'm not a huge baseball fan," but there are so many St. Louis stories in here, whether about my own family or other people's family, that makes this book, in my honest opinion, and I'm of course completely objective um, about this book, uh, that makes makes it just a really, really uh, nurturing, nourishing read because family is so important to all of us. Yeah. I have a, a, a Facebook message here oh. from Ken who writes, A great Cardinals moment for our family. Father's Day, extra inning game against the Royals. David Freeze jogging off the field with my seven-year-old son yelling, David Freeze, David Freeze. Freeze looks up at him and says, Hey, what's up, little buddy? He still talks about it frequently. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and the, the, I mean, one interaction with a ball player or a manager can stick with you for generations. And, and the other can happen, too. I mean, there have been some jerks who sure. played the game. And uh, I, I can't think of any that played for St. Louis, but I'm sure maybe down the line somewhere there were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know Dave Kingman infamously was, was not a nice guy. But, yeah, I, I don't know many Cardinals. Yeah. I think of Denny McLean, for instance. He was uh, at, at times could be a, a, a bit of a problem. Sure, yeah. sure, sure. And he's, he's in the book, of course, from 1968, uh, pitching uh, in the World Series against St. Louis. Uh-huh. Well, we remember that year quite vividly, uh, don't we? Yeah, that's one of my uh, – I mean, they're they're all my favorite chapters. You can pick anyone and say my favorite chapter, but uh, one of my favorite chapters because the 1968 one it looks a lot into St. Louis at that time, and there were a lot of issues, and uh, there was uh, so much racial strife then, and of course now. Uh, but within the schools, and uh, I had a, a person I interviewed was talking about his high school and how there was a huge, huge brawl that occurred, and the police came and people were arrested. And but he's like, you know, the one thing that everyone liked together, shared, if you will, was the St. Louis Cardinals. The uh, and a lot of them wind up staying in St. Louis. I, I I heard a figure the other day from Dan McLaughlin. I think he said more than a hundred car- former Cardinal players still live in this uh, in this area. It's so much fun, and I mean, what a, what a job I what a treat I have to hang out at Bush Stadium. You never know who you're going to be in the elevator with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're like, oh, there's I remember that guy from baseball cards, and now he's standing in real life right next to me. We've got to wrap this up, but I've got to ask you about this season. You're you're the guy who's there every day. What do you think? We're 
Where are we going to wind up this year? I think the Cardinals will make the playoffs. I, I don't know if they'll win the division, uh, but there's so much to like with their starting pitching, and you would have to think that players like Dexter Fowler, Ozuna, Matt Carpenter, and Colton Wong, who are hitting poorly right now overall, will step it up, and the team's doing well as is with those guys hitting poorly. So the optimist says that the Cardinals have a pretty good season, but gosh, those Cubs, I know they're struggling now, but that's a good squad. You, uh, When the weather gets a little bit warmer, I think we'll see a different team, don't you? It, it, a lot of the players like the heat rather than the, uh, exactly. than the cooler weather that we've been having. Yes, well said. Benjamin Hockman, thank you so much for being with us, and thank you for the book. The book is The Big 50, The uh, Men and Moments That Made the St. Louis Cardinals. Again, I'll say it's a fun read. Congratulations on it. Thanks so much. We'll, we'll wait for your book on the, on the, uh, the, the uh, Colorado Club. Yes. <laughs> thank you again. Again, the book is uh, The Men and Moments That Made the St. Louis Cardinals, The Big 50. By the way, uh, Benjamin is going to be appearing one week from tonight at 7 o'clock at Left Bank Books on Euclid. So you can have a chance to see him there and continue the discussion about our Redbirds. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU.